0: It's Brianna Hodges. And Lainey Rell. Welcome. (laughs) All right, friends. We are are legit. We bought a domain. We are LemonadeLearning.us. That's right, .us, because this is us.
1: Lemonade is better when it's with us, right? So it makes sense. So LemonadeLearning.us.
0: I mean, we graduated from the Bitly. Now, it was a custom Bitly, but we have, I mean, no offense to Bitly. We love you, Bitly. We're using you all the time. But um, this, was a, this was a moment for us. It was like a Thelma and Louise. Like we virtually held hands and we're like, we're going to do this. <laughs> so it was fun. I just,
1: I, I can't think of a better partner to do this with. My better, I, I don't know who's Thelma, who, who's Louise. I think it probably depends upon the moment, right? But I, um, I'm super excited about this. And, and, and it is, it's, it's that next
0: level, like grown up moment. Like you said, we've graduated. This is, this is exciting. You know, this is something I look forward to every week. And so we hope, we like that people listen. Um, that's super fun. We like when people reach out via social media. That's amazing. Um, this time together is, is really helpful for, for, for me. I'll speak for myself. This is very cathartic. I get a lot out of this and I hope other people do too.
1: Absolutely. Therapy. I talk about that all the time. Like this is my therapy moment where we get to process both personal and professional, you know, circumstances. And, and it is, I was having a conversation with a a teacher this morning and we were talking through um, how our worlds are continually, you know, meshing together during this time of personal and professional and how, you know, every day is bring your your kid to work day, it seems like, and um, vice versa. And so I do, I think that this is, is one of those just great situations, um, perfect situations for 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 me to process in my brain um, all of the things that are going on of like how to, you know how how to improve learning opportunities um, and conversations, just even everyday conversations with with my own kids as well as process. All of the things that are happening in education um, right now, like all of these, just continually changing, evolving, unknowns, um, unpredicted, uh, all of these things
0: that that are that are coming faster than usual. Well, first of all, under any circumstances, I don't think you and I are going to run out of stuff to talk about. But it's certainly right now we have a lot to talk about. Um, by the way, for those of you who didn't see it last week, we did a that was last week, right? Pretty sure. I- for all running together, friends. I, it's just it's just a big blur. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was last week or the week before. Um, we did a Parents for Learning Network webinar. And so you can find that at LemonadeLearning.us. There is an episode with show notes that links to the webinar. Um, but let's go ahead and get this episode kicked off. And if you don't mind, Bree, I'm going to start because it, it's related to what you were talking about, of kind of like this meshing of our world. And it, and there are silver linings to that. But there are challenges. One of the challenges I'm having right now is kind of turning it off. I've, I've mentioned to you before, I'm, I'm teaching a lot of online courses with adults right now, a lot of professional learning via online courses. And it's hard because I really want to model that teacher presence. And I want them to know I'm there for them. I care so much about that. Um, so it's really hard for me to turn that off. And I thought of you when my daughter walked in and she's like, how much longer are you going to be working? And I thought of you because you mentioned that narrative parenting, like actually explaining your work to your kids. So, you know, she walks in and I can tell she's just pretty frustrated, (laughs) still working. And so, um, I explained to her that I was actually responding to other educators and that it was really important to me that they knew that I was there. And then I, you know, remember when you were in online learning, um, well let's be clear remote emergency um, but i asked her you know remember when your teacher would send you um, some feedback or a message and like how did that make you feel and she just immediately her whole demeanor changed she's like oh that is so important i you, know, you 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 do that you do that and then and then we'll spend time together in a few minutes and it was just like it was such a good moment because um, it actually allowed her to reflect on how much it was important for her, for her teachers, but then she also had an appreciation from where I work. So thank you for that. I was, I, I implemented that and it was great. Wow. That's
1: wonderful to hear. I, I do think it is that part, you know, we've talked about that so much about people don't understand what your situation is, right? Or whether it's, um, what you're doing for a living, what your, uh, situation or, or the, the quote unquote emotional, um, emotional suitcases, right? Like your stories and your circumstances, um, or whatever the case is, like no, nobody knows that more than you do. And so we have to sometimes explain that, um, not in a condescending way, but just opening that door, opening that window for others to, to see what that looks like is, is important. And it doesn't matter how old, the person is that you're talking to like I think that that is one of those things and I constantly have to remind myself of that with my own little people that that they don't understand um, specifically what it is that I'm doing but once I give them that idea then they're like oh yeah 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 and I love that you used something that they know you grounded it in their own experience to help um, to help your daughter really, get that of like, oh yeah, I loved how that made me feel. That's really important. Keep moving forward with that. So thank you for, for sharing that story. It reminds me of something that happened this weekend, uh, kind of in that same, same venue and our same vein, I guess I should say. And, and you and I've talked a little bit about this. Everybody knows I'm from Texas, but, um, and then I'm from a small town and a lot of people don't know that I actually, um, live uh live I live out of town. I live I'm a country girl. I have horses, I have longhorns, I have steers, I have um I have a show steer, which is why I say a steer versus my longhorns, because my show steer is he's mine. He's my daughter's. But um we have lots of animals. We have property, we have to go and and our chores are, you know, they start early in the morning and, and we have to do a lot of these things. And so um, anyways this last weekend Both of my kids participated in um, in a play day, which, if you're not familiar with what that word means, it is not a play date, but it is like a little mini rodeo um, for for kids. And I did not grow up in the rodeo world. I I showed horses, but it's a different kind of thing. And um, and so it was fun to watch my kids, you kind of go through this experience. And um, one of the things that happened was one of the events that they were that my daughter was doing, um, she's never done before and she's never practiced it before. And her horse has never done this before. And so as my daughter was getting ready to go into this, you know, she's eight years old and, um, this is, this is new for her. Riding uh, is something that she just really kind of got into. My son's been in it since he was tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, but it's always been a little bit of a fearful thing for my daughter. And so I was really excited that she's been jumping out there and taking these risks and doing this, right? So she jumps out there and she's doing um, poles, which is an event. And it sounds exactly like what it is. There's a series of poles that are sticking up and the, the horse weaves in and out. And it's meant to be done very quickly. It's a speed event. And, um, and so as she's moving, uh, yeah, you know, she's warming up. I was like, Delaney, do you even, you know, do you know what to do? Like, let's talk about this. And she goes, oh, mom, I watched it on YouTube. I have figured this out. And I was like, Oh, all right, sister, tell me. And so she tells me, you know, she tells me what the pattern is because the pattern is very important. If you don't do the pattern, you break the pattern and then it doesn't count. And so, um, so I was like, all right, awesome. So she goes out there and she goes to do this pattern and she makes it through about halfway. And then her horse, who, um, again, has never done this event ever, 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 and uh, is, a, is a great horse, is not, um, this is not her thing. This is not something that she's familiar with, breaks the pattern, stops, and then goes out the gate. And, and Delaney comes out, and she's very upset because she's broken the pattern. And as an eight-year-old, this is just very disturbing to her. And so she's crying, crying, crying. And, um, and I pull her aside, and she was like, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake and i stopped and i said but you didn't make a mistake we don't make mistakes and she kind of looked at me and i said what we do is we we learn we have lessons right and this was a lesson for us and so just like your classes our lessons and and your teachers teach you those lessons what did this teach you what was this lesson and um and and so she talked about you know what she had what she'd gotten from it and I said so that's what's important is because everything that we do we have to find out why we did it and then we have to learn something from that and she was like okay okay and I said the other part of it that I want you to remember is that your horse and her horse's name is Nina I said Nina didn't get to watch that YouTube video so maybe we need to to bring her up to speed with some curriculum and we'll, we'll jump in on that. And she, she laughed and and felt better about that. But I think that that is, you know, that was a huge lesson that my, my kids taught me this weekend was, um, that risk taking, right. Of like jumping into something that they really are interested in and they're very excited about, but they don't have a lot of experience in it. And, um, and so they're kind of sort of like their mama in the way that they put a lot of pressure on themselves to, do really, really well, even if they don't have a lot of experience with it. And so, um, I was reminded, especially you know, doing a lot of work with districts, doing a lot of work with principals and administrators. We like to talk about being risk takers, and we like to talk about modeling failure, but Ooh. we always support the the act of that. And um, and so it was. It was that moment of realizing we kind of have to put our money where our mouth is, right? We have to let them know that it's okay to try. And even if you don't succeed at it, you t- tried it. And then what did you learn from it so that you can now be a little bit better this next time? And, um, and so that's a little bit of my crazy world this weekend. But uh, same kind of thing of like just reminding ourselves of these pieces as we go through it.
0: Well, I love that you turned that into a teachable moment. And I also love that one of the things that I fail at as a parent is I sometimes um, take things on that maybe my kids didn't do well. I kind of put that on myself, like I must have failed to prepare them or I, and, and that, that causes a reaction in me that is not good because then I start to, to, to instead of what you did, which was perfect, turn it into a, a, a something that is teachable moment. I, I tend to, to react as if I had done something wrong. So um, I think you did the exact right thing. And I, I love that. And I, I really love um, about did, did the horse not see the YouTube video.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. See, her I've had out to the barn yet, but I have a feeling it's coming before too much longer to, uh, you know, them, them, I know I've talked about the past of my daughter's love for YouTube and how much she learns from it. And that truly was, I mean, that was such a perfect response of what she would do with this, the, How did you know how to do this? Well, I I watched it on YouTube, Mom, and and truthfully, she knew every single thing she was supposed to do, and it was so funny because that is so far from what um, most of us would would do. That's not our go to resource, but it sure is um, sure is my eight year old's resource for sure. I
0: love that. All right, well, let's jump into some other stuff. And thank you for listening to our sweet and sour. Um, again, we did that webinar for Parents for a Learning Network. And one of the things that people really loved, Bree, was when you said answer with A and age and activity and access and appropriate. I think I got them all right. Why don't you explain that a little bit more? And then we'll take a deep dive into like what that looks like not only as parents, but as educators.
1: Awesome. So so just to kind of frame that conversation, um, what we were, were talking through was how often do, you know... <laughs> Number one, when I was back in the classroom, back in the day, right, when I was very, very, very first started using um, technology in my classroom, I was certainly that teacher that went and Googled, you know, best apps to use in the English classroom for eighth graders, right? Like I looked at that exact search and, you know, found the top 100 apps and all of that kind of stuff. And, And still, you know, fast forward what like eleven years now and we're still finding ourselves asking that, like what's the best app to do this? And and we treat it as almost there's the the holy, you know, the holy ring, right? Like the 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 one ring to rule them all kind of thing. And and what we've discovered time in and time again is that there's not one perfect app and especially for every situation. And so one of the things that I started to realize was um, there's a certain framework of questions that I like to run through whenever I'm trying to figure out what's going to be the best situation for that situation. I also use this um, just with any curriculum, right? Because one of the questions that I often got um, in the classroom, as well as you know, in my role is, well, how come they're doing this and we are not? Or, you know, all the cool kids are doing this. Why isn't this the situation? So I run into this with my own kids whenever they're asking for a phone or for, you know, this account or whatever the situation is. So here's my four questions. And my four questions are, is it age? Is it activity? Is it access? And is it appropriate? And so let's kind of run through what that looks like. And age is pretty much says it right there, right? Like, Using the, the situation with my own children, um, the the app may be appropriate for my 11-year-old because it meets his age appropriateness, but it doesn't meet the appropriateness for my 8-year-old. And And we were having this conversation the other day because so my son was asking about a phone. And um, and so then my daughter, of course, started chiming in on it. And I said, well, here's the deal. When, when Mason turns 16, does that mean you get your driver's license when you'll be 13? And she was like... No, 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 no. And I said, okay, because there are certain rules that happen when we are, you know, they're bound by age. And so keeping that in mind, that becomes really, really important specifically when we're talking about it from a parent lens, um, as well as if those mixed age groups. In there, so I hope that makes sense from that point of looking at it through that age lens. Uh, the next thing is, what activity are you trying to do? And um, this becomes really, really important, just because a um, just because an app can do something doesn't mean that it's the best one to do that with it. Right. And so are the activities going to really get us to what the outcome is that we're wanting to do? Um, and, and so I, I really, um, focus on that specifically when we're talking about different types of platforms. So, um, if I'm, if I'm looking for reading comprehension and I want to understand, do my kids really understand and, and did they follow that text? what's going to be the best activity that we can create for that might be a multiple, multiple choice slash multiple guess question, right? Like it might be better if I used those questions and I asked those questions, but I asked my students to, um, respond with a video explaining their choice, right? So then I can get some more information from that. So I'm building that activity to really get at an appropriate level of what it is that I'm wanting them to do. Um, another example on this that I'll, that I'll go into is uh, using a, a um, using an app that might not necessarily be um, quote unquote age appropriate. So maybe it's a little kids app, like something like, like one of the ones that I've in this manner is ChatterPix. And so that's really aimed at little bitty kids, right? And I love chatter pics. You take a picture, and then you slide, and then you can talk. Right? You have thirty seconds to explain it, and then it uses whatever the picture is that you're, you're um, that you've taken to uh, to to add voice to that. Um, but I use that with older kids, with seniors in high school, with with graduate level, with adults um, uh, from administration to. Add their voice to a specific piece as well right so um so thinking through that activity becomes really really important from that perspective um, the the next one is access and how much access are we going to have with that that could be access digital access as far as like is it something that you have to be connected to the internet for to in order to work so that frame of access of thinking through that also from an accessibility standpoint um, from you know Uh, can I, if I, if I have visual impairments, can I still open that and, and work with it through those manners? Um, is it going to, you know, uh, create, Um, different modalities of pieces. So like, can I export it to a video that then can be used in something else um, to app smash it? Or am I going to be locked into that very specific app to only use it in that way? And I can't share it um, or turn it in in other manners. And so kind of really thinking through those access pieces. And then that last one is appropriate. Um, So just because it's something that's appropriate, um, is it really best? Like just because it's age, does it fit that situation? So kind of, again, really similar to that activity piece, but you know, really kind of thinking through that outcome. We're we're not just using the chatter picks to use the chatter picks, we're using the chatter picks to add voice to the explanation of theme or something like that. So I'm gonna give myself a little bit of time to breathe and, and kick it over to you, Lainey. Um, so, so add in to to that idea. Like, what what are how do you feel about those questions, and how does that apply to to what you know, you do in your work with those things?
0: Well, I think they're really important questions, and also I want to point out that we have had many conversations, some of them offline, just you and I as friends, about how important it is to bring our kids and our students into these conversations, because this isn't just me asking the questions to myself. It's having the conversation with the learners, with my peers, with the world, like checking in with multiple people and turning it into a conversation, because that's when it becomes not just, well, here's the rule or here's that, you know, what I say about it. This is the opportunity to get them thinking critically about Well, yeah. Okay. So this isn't right for my age or, Oh, it's funny. This is actually meant for younger kids, but it's going to accomplish what I want. So who cares that it's for little kids? You know, I've seen that a bunch of times, whether it's um, people hesitant to use seesaw because they feel like that's a younger kid's app. Well, no, it's, it's really about, like you said, what is the activity? What are we trying to accomplish? So I think this is a really important conversation, especially right now. One of the things that I've been talking with, um, with educators about is, you know, we find a lot of, we want to innovate and we find these really great tools and some of them do something very special. Um, but sometimes there's also redundancy and it's like, well, I, I could have actually used the tool that, you know, my team is already using. I didn't necessarily need to go out. And sometimes there's a very special purpose in that tool. And no, I, with intention, I am choosing to do something different. So I think these are really important conversations to have, especially where we are right now, because we are now, not just having these experiences using these tools in the classroom, we are now putting these experiences into the home life. And so that is imposing on the families potentially using a million different tools. And and we can do that in our classroom because we can manage it. Um, But I think there's, there's an important conversation here where we're also bringing parents into it. Right. So when we are thinking through these A's, it's not just about, what do I as the educator think? It's I have to bring kids into the conversation, my peers into the conversation, parents and families into the conversation. Don't you think? I love that. And I think it's so important.
1: You know, it's one of those things that, that we forget about. And I think um, especially when we put on our teacher hat, because we are not, I was just having this conversation with a teacher this morning. We were talking through how um, making those decisions are, So often it's one of those where we do need to, to talk through that decision of why that's being made and give that, that sometimes we don't know why we're making a decision, right? Like sometimes we just are saying this is, this is it. And, and that's, that's where it is. But once we talk through it and we have a better understanding of what those answers are, then it becomes easier to explain to our kids. Then it becomes easier to troubleshoot. It becomes easier to support the learning. It becomes easier to modify the learning. Right. And we've got to be able to, to do that. And um, I was telling my son over the weekend that the most important question is why? And, um, and and he was asking, and I said, and so often people believe that why is like a confrontational question of like, well, why are you doing it that way? But it's really not. It's more of the, once you know why, like my, to be cards on the table, my kids were fighting with each other. And it started out with my daughter looking at my son, how dare she? And so she was, he was no, excuse me, other way around. My son was looking at my daughter and she was very mad that he was looking at her. And then that turned into her spraying him with said water hose. He turned around and smacked her for doing that. And then next thing you know, World War III had happened. And so fast forward to the very first question that I asked was like, why did this happen? And so we had to, to, to go through all of these pieces. Um, but that said, when I was having this wrap up with my son separately, I told him that, you know, I'm not asking you why, because you're in trouble. I'm asking you why, because do you hear that when I, and when you are answering those questions, you're better able to figure out what you could do differently next time. Um, and I think that that is super important. And I love that you said doing that with, with the student, um, doing that with the kid also doing that with a parent, you know, especially in these times where we're looking at so much moving into remote learning. um, That is one thing that I encourage you, whether you're, uh, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an administrator, or whatever the case is, take a couple seconds and explain um, why you're using that app, uh, or why you're using that strategy or whatever to, um, because we're, we're asking our, our parents to support that. And I would even throw in like, even if you're in a complete face to face, I used to talk about this all the time, specifically with math strategies, or with our elementary teachers specifically, because we use so many, you know, mnemonic devices or things like that, that we as parents have no idea what you're saying in the classroom, we'll do a little lesson for the parents, and then they can help figure it out a little bit better. So that's my little
0: plug for that. But yeah, no, I, th- I think that's really, really important. And I think, you know, one of the things I do hope, and I think it, we both hope this is a silver lining is that the homeschool connection gets so much stronger because we haven't always taken the time to take a step back and be like, well, here's why we teach math this way. Or here's what we're saying when we say, here's what we mean when we're saying this. And, and you know, when it comes to, you know, now with so much of what we're doing remote, having to do with technology, we really have to have these conversations with parents to let them know like your child safety is my top, you know, top priority. I'm, I'm not, everything I'm doing is with intention. If I'm having them go into a Flipgrid, I'm checking the settings and I'm making sure that we're not going to get some unwanted visitors in here. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing everything I can, but then like you said earlier, it's the why, why am I doing this? And so, you know, if, If I could, Brie, I want to talk a little bit about online discussions, because this is something that's come up a lot. And as as we've talked about with online learning, as just as in face-to-face, you have to build community. There has to be teacher presence. There has to be peer-to-peer. This is all critical, critical, critical stuff. And in online learning, a lot of what happens is asynchronous. Now, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of talking about all the variety of solutions that people are talking about. Let's save that for another episode, telecasting. And I I don't even want to start talking about it because it'll be a deep rabbit hole, but, but there is a very, very real purpose to online discussions in the online community. And that is to engage the community. It's to personalize the learning experience, to have the peer to peer to provide the feedback, not only from the teacher, but from the peers, it's self-reflection. The list goes on and on of the value of online discussion. Now, you have to, when you think about that age, activity, access, appropriate, you have to think about, well, am I going to do, for a kindergarten, a written discussion, a text-based discussion form? Most likely, that will not go well, in my opinion, having taught kinder first, second, and sixth grade. I'm very attuned to developmental appropriateness, and I don't want to lose that experience. And so um, maybe it is a flip grid. Maybe there's another way to do it, but maybe it's audio. But there needs to be some opportunity for that peer-to-peer and for that building of community. And so I think we have to think really critically. Using those A's is really, really helpful for that.
1: Yeah, I think I think the big element that I, I hope people understand is that there's no one right answer. And so the the, the answer truly does come from... The teacher, the parent, the administrator, the kid, whomever is making that decision, right, is making that choice by asking and answering these questions for themselves, right? Because I I think like our ultimate goal is not – I love that you said like we're not making these decisions in isolation so that no one knows – our ultimate goal is that we're we're creating learners who can be self-sufficient, who can, you know, answer these questions for themselves and make really good choices throughout their lives. And you can't make a good choice if you've only been told an answer. You can make a good choice when you've been create, you know, you've you've been given a filter to, to, to make that choice, you know, kind of to that workflow, that that matrix to say, okay, here's my rubric that's gonna tell me. Which one am I willing to do and which one am I not? And I think that is so, so, so important. And I love your example about, you know, that age appropriateness at that kindergarten level. Well, it, it could be tech-based. It could be um, textually based, right? Like you could have them write out something and then you could also have them bring that into a platform that will then allow them to read it or explain it so that then they can, you know, do... So So thinking through how to build that... Um, gives us more opportunity to create those situations. So I think just like as educators, we spend a lot of our time learning about all of the resources that we have available in our classroom and learning about all of those strategies that are available to us. Um, that's this, that's what we're, we're moving to right now when we're talking through that through a technology lens or what are those resources, what are they capable of doing and then how can I push them all together, right? Like we, we do that in the classroom with our, our paper and pencil situations where we, you know, we, we app smash for lack of a better word, this workbook with this textbook with this, you know, manipulative, that's what we're talking about doing through technology, but you got to know why you're doing it as you, as you create it.
0: Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier that having taught early childhood, I, I'm really like aware of developmental appropriateness, but I will say one of the best things that happened was I went from kinder to sixth grade and then to first grade. And going from sixth grade to first grade was a beautiful thing because I had all these appreciations for independent learners. And so I really challenged myself to not think like, well, that's probably not developmentally appropriate. And I love how you said earlier, it's like, well, maybe tech is okay for a kinder discussion because it, it might be. We, we have to think about all of those opportunities um, and the walk is what's going to get us there. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to practice writing? maybe that is the best way to do it. Are we trying to, to build community and that's not the priority? I, I love that. So thank you for, for helping me uh, remember that like, it's not just about, you know, is this right for kindergarten? We have to like really think about what we're trying to accomplish, the why. So, so what do you think about, what are some other ways that we can think about the, the A answer with A in, in education?
1: So I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot a little bit off of you talking through asynchronous, right? Of like we've got this piece, and then people can add to it as they're as they're able to, or at some point in time during the discussion. Um, but that also brings in synchronous learning, and we see a lot of that um, specifically with uh, with with our remote learning and and um, what that looks like, where we're having maybe an online discussion, but it's done through like a, a, a video chat. So Google Meet or Zoom or, or whatever your flavor may be in that. And so one of the things that I hear a lot is um, similarly to just like, well, the kids these days are, are technologically like that. That's what gets them. And so we assume that having this virtual opportunity for them, that's what they're going to cling to. But the problem is, is that, we still need them to be engaged in it. And, and I've had a lot of people that are saying, you know, we can't even get, get we couldn't even get our kids to come to the Zooms or we couldn't even get them to, to show up to every video chat. How are we gonna, you know, move forward with this? How are we gonna what does this look like? And um and one of the things that kept kicking around in my mind was you, you see this same situation with the carpet time, right like there's not every kid who's engaged in your carpet time. So how do you create this interest form like how are you setting up to borrow another phrase um, that you you introduced us to during that parent square webinar how do you engineer the special for this and create? you know, this this engagement opportunity, um, it's not just a Field of Dreams moment, right? Like just because you post it and say, we're having a Zoom doesn't mean everybody's going to show up. And And we know that they'll be there for that first one, but they might not come back to that third one or, or to that fourth. How, how do we really drive that excitement and that engagement? And it be more than just you know, a conversation, right? How can we create um, some purposeful conversations? And, I, and I, again, kind of getting back to that, why um, Zoom in itself, you know, can be, it can match up like, okay, yes, is it age appropriate? Okay, maybe it is for your situation. Well, then focus on that activity. What are you wanting them to do? Are you going, if you want it to be interactive, them just sitting there listening to you, and then like, doing a thumbs up or a thumbs down might not necessarily be enough interactivity for that situation. You know, um, maybe it's creating some some breakout rooms to where then they can go in and and have a little bit of conversation um, with you popping in and out of it. Or maybe it's a very short Zoom, just like you would do some direct instruction for maybe 10 minutes, and then you stop the Zoom let everybody move into their different pieces or maybe you move into a break room or a breakout room with a couple kids while a couple other kids are working on an activity in seesaw and then you switch it around but you know thinking through Synchronous just means that everybody is doing it in like that real time moment. So how can you utilize that, that station to station rotation? Like we do so much in our elementary classes, like when you're doing your reading stations, how can you look at that through this lens of, um, you know, through the A's and through that lens technology to, to bring that situation in.
0: I love that. So much, because I do think it's it's funny that, and I, and I know that teachers, I've seen some teachers do some really amazing things where they're trying to think through, you can tell that they're, they're they may be not calling it the Ace, but they're thinking about it, right? Because they're making sure their Zoom is short. And they're, they're thinking about what activity, like we're not just bringing people together, because we feel like that's like a compliance thing, we just need to get people together. Um, to make sure they're still there, but they're actually thinking through, like, what is the purpose? So like, what is the best thing to happen synchronously? And what is the best thing to happen asynchronously? And I think when we do that with intention, and thinking through those A's, that is when we're going to have people not grumbling to go to the Zoom, like wanting to go to the Zoom or the the Google Meet, or again, like whatever your flavor is, but why do they want to come together? Like, we have to, we have to think carefully about that.
1: Absolutely, and I love that. Like I'm almost envisioning. I know right now it's that time of year um, where uh, we're planning. We're we're crazy into planning mode, even though we're not quite sure what we're planning for. We're into planning mode, which I think is even more important when you're not really sure what it looks like than than when it uh, when you do know. And so, how do we create that opportunity to really think through? Um, those ideas, and I, and I'm I'm envisioning, you know, spending a lot of time around that activity question, right? Of like, what are the what are the available activities for synchronous situations? What are the available activities for asynchronous situations? Um, what are your available platforms, right? And so then start matching it up. Um, I'm a huge fan of TPAC as a planning opportunity to really think through, like what are my pedagogical places that I'm really trying to get to my content knowledge, right? Like those CKs, like that's your curriculum. So what is the, if I'm working through fractions, like what specifically am I wanting to get to? What are my objectives around fractions? And then what's the pedagogy? Like I know my pedagogy really well. Like what are are those things that I would do in the classroom to really help kids understand those pieces and then bring in that technology. And so like, okay, in order to do, um, you know, in order to understand that they can divide that circle and take that pizza and draw it in, you know, to divide into that fraction, what could I do with that? And so think about, you know, is it an interactive whiteboard app that they could do and take a picture, uh, you know, record themselves doing that and then bring that in or maybe it's just drawing it out on a piece of paper taking a picture of it uploading it into seesaw or creating something through google drawings whatever the case is but spending that time just slowing down and thinking about what my curriculum is what my strategy is going to be and then list out all of those things so that you can start to get a better handle on on what those pieces are and the last part that i'll throw in there and i want to get your thoughts on this is when you're thinking through those strategies right like Name those strategies and then almost assign an app or a platform that goes with those strategies. So then you can decide because so it's so tempting and it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole of like, oh, there's 15 different ways that I could do this. And instead, you know, right now, when we're so unsure of what it's going to look like, let's simplify that list a little bit more and get to like one or two options for each, at least in the beginning until you can see like, okay, this worked really well um, or didn't. And then we need to pivot. Uh, But I think, you know, we can easily go into overwhelm really fast and
0: not get going. No, I, I totally appreciate that. Especially because again, we're, it's not just us in overwhelm or our kids in overwhelm. We're now putting that into families lives. And so to really be very intentional. And I think there's a nice way to balance it where you say like, here's what I want to have happen. Here's what I need you to do to demonstrate this. I'm looking for this. I think you should use this tool. And then if it's appropriate for your learners and their family and they're comfortable with it, they could have the option to do it in a different way. And like I like how you said, like, if I, if I want to see someone's work written out, like maybe they do a screencast. Maybe they take a picture of it and mark it up. Like there's, there's more than one way to do it. And I think right now, when we need so much grace and flexibility, the the opportunities to give people choice, like we don't want to give them choices and like, we'll just figure it out, do whatever you want. Like that's not, and we've talked about that on this, on this podcast before, that's not what we mean by choice. Um, But I think if we can really hone in on, look, I think this is a great way to do it. And if you have a better way, let me know and we'll talk it through. But I think, I think that's smart. Let's, let's, let's get the, let's get the stuff down Really good. Before we start going in a million different directions,
1: right? And I'll, I'll add on to that as a secondary teacher that again, going back to that age appropriateness um, is going to depend, right? Like, is if you're with your little with your littler guys or with people that are maybe this is new, maybe you've not been in a one to one situation, and so introducing a lot of technology is um, is out of the norm for them, then. You're obviously you're gonna you be a little bit more targeted with it, and I like to call that like directed. You know, you're 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 targeted, you're directed. You're saying like this is the platform that we're going to use because your outcome is very clear that you're looking for this, right? Like I'm looking, I want you to use your know, Flipgrid to showcase X, and that's going to be very specific the other way I call this like your choose your own adventure. And I do this a lot, like with my secondary and, and older in my classroom, I did a lot of, um, I, I had a, a a whiteboard and I had um, the, the uh, platforms divided out by what they could do. Right. So like I had videos, I had, um, you know, Design graphics. I had uh, audio, different things like that, and then I would list different apps that we knew, you know, kind of like our bag of tricks that were underneath there. And then, um, because again, this is middle school, this is the secondary, and so they've had more experience with those pieces, so they can choose a little bit more, or maybe it was something that we introduced, but I wanted them to to see that compilation. Along the way, I also would ban things because they'd used it so much that they were no longer using it to its best abilities. And so I didn't want them, like, I was like, you know what? You guys could do this in your sleep. I really want to push your thinking and I want you to try this. Um, But then there's other times when I would leave it completely open, totally choose your own adventure. I need you to make me a video and you can use whatever you want. And um, as a teacher, I did that because it allowed me to see their creativity moved beyond just a specific, um, you know, almost that it it let me expand on that rubric to where they weren't just doing what I expected them to do. They were really getting to stretch their legs on some of that. And I also used it as kind of like market research to find out if they knew something that I didn't know, because then all of a sudden I can be like, oh my gosh, Lainey introduced me to, you know, This, this platform, she introduced me to Nero. I've never seen Nero before. This is so cool. I've got to tell you guys about it and give a shout out to you. And and that kind of grows that in that way. So thinking through that layer of age is also important in that simplification piece.
0: Yeah. And I love, I love what you're saying. You're, you're creating buy-in and ownership because there's, there's a discussion and, but it's all done with such intention. And I think that's, what's really important also in the classroom,
1: it's important to create that, that conversation too, of like, like I would do, um, I would do this where, Hey, you're going to use this tool. Um, and what I found was really awesome. And I know we've talked about peer-to-peer learning that this lets certain ones of my kids become like geniuses in that moment, right? Like, so they were like that genius, you know, that genius bar where people could come up to them and it really allowed, um oftentimes it was it was my kids who maybe weren't as strong in other areas like maybe they weren't they used to being asked for help or you know asked to provide the help in other ways now suddenly they knew so much about this and it created conversations between kids that weren't necessarily there and um so i just wanted to to throw that out there as as even if you're in a face-to-face environment, um, those peer-to-peer conversations are just as important, specifically around tools, because there's all of those kids who are going to have a comfort level, and and maybe those kids that don't. So, giving them that chance to shine is is awesome in that way too.
0: So, I, I know we want to we want to try and keep this brief, but let me just add one more thing in there because it really reminded me when you said giving those kids to shine, and one of the things that I have heard almost, I I mean, I'm just going to say across the board, every educator, every principal that I have talked to about what happened in the spring, I always hear the kids who weren't shining in the classroom, a lot of them are doing really well online. And I think that's an important thing. And I, and I might've even mentioned it on here before, but this is something that I came across when I, when I first got involved with online learning like 15 years ago. And, and it really struck me, it really struck me like, is this the opportunity for the introvert? Is this the opportunity for the, the kid that wants more time to think critically before they respond in class? And so I, I just think being so intentional and when we move forward and we'll talk more about it later, whatever we move forward with in the fall, let's not lose that. Let's be really thoughtful about what were the, what were the opportunities for those who were not doing as well in the face-to-face that shined online. How do we preserve that? as well as how do we make sure that the kids who were shining in face to face and maybe are struggling online because that does happen too like how do we make sure that we find that balance so everyone's getting an opportunity to shine if that comes out of this i feel like that's a huge win
1: i love that and and realizing that there's going to be multiple answers right like is it okay to have those things incorporated in the same classroom for everyone to shine like it doesn't have to be a one a one outcome right like it and 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 I think again coming back to those questions asking ourselves why but then also asking our students why you know and and it might not necessarily even have to be a, a an actual conversation with our students but putting ourselves in their shoes of why did I get this information from this kid? Or, you know, why did he like, why, why was this harder for them or why was this easier for them? And, and putting all of those questions in again, I know I sound like I'm on repeat, but asking that question of why the conversation I had with my son was, you have to know why you have to know the answer to be able to explain to other people, but you also have to know why you made your decisions so that you can better adjust those decisions in the future right and and we need to know that like we need to know how we work well um and how other people work well so that we can all find that way to shine and I love I love that you said that
0: like let's think through that let's give everyone that opportunity I'm just gonna put this out there I feel like we're talking um UDL a bit and I feel like there might be an opportunity to have a deeper conversation about that maybe we can tap into a friend like. I'm just going to put it out there. Don't kill me, Katie. But maybe Katie Novak would be like a friend who might want. We've never brought one into our sacred uh, duo. But, you know, there might be an opportunity at some point to bring in some guests. And you never know. I think I would love that. I would love that. And anybody out there who you know has other
1: suggestions of who we should bring in for any topics, like the things that are, are pressing your buttons right now or your worry items or, you know, any of that thing, let us know. Give us a shout. Um, we're certainly, we've said all along, we don't have all the answers. We have lots of questions. We might not have all of the answers, but um, we, we know there are uh, several people that are are doing some amazing work that are extreme expertise in these areas. And um, we would love to learn alongside you all with these people. So let us know and we can bring them
0: in for sure. Yep. All right. Okay. So that's our, that's our big call for, for, for engagement. Tell us who, who should we have as a guest? I love that. Right. That would be really fun. There's a lot of really smart people out there and we always say it better together. So please join us. And by the way, check out LemonadeLearning.us if that's not how you're already getting to the podcast. Um, if you're subscribing, that's fine too. It'll, it's basically the same thing. But we will eventually get a website going, I think. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I think
1: maybe not right now. It's on the list, right? I think it's small steps, that's what we keep telling. That's what we keep trying to remind ourselves and others that small steps are going to get us there. Um, In the meantime, we hope you're finding us on social media. We hope you are subscribing to the podcast. Um, it's the best way to get the most current information about um, what we're doing out there, and um, who knows, we might have some things up our sleeves for some little swag items for people who are um, sharing ideas with us. So
0: don't be afraid, don't hold back. We we want to have uh, we want to know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, well, thank you all for listening, and that's it for us, right, Brie? Are we good? That's it. That's it. So. Another great
1: conversation, been a long one, but definitely one that, that um, I think has got some really big legs underneath it. We've got, we need to have these conversations um, and it's not something that we can just kind of fly through. That said, um, using this information will help us get to the core of learning of what we're trying to do. So thanks for bearing with us and don't forget to use A's, uh, age, activity, access, inappropriate. Yay. Thanks everyone. See ya.